0: What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 57 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Welcome back for another classic look back. That's right, today it's, it's episode 57. It is part two of our season review, 1982-83. Benfica goes out and tries to conquer Europe as well. As Portugal, historic season. Today we're going to be talking about the months of April, May, and June. Okay? And you may say that, that, what what else is there? Uh, Well, there's a part three because this season gets extended. Yeah, that's right. The 82 83 season does officially finish until the last week in August. Why? (laughs) That's all. Coming up in episode fifty-eight, that's you'll hear that story, and next week in part three, and this week it is part two. I hope y'all enjoy this. Um, I really enjoyed making this episode, just as I did last week. I'm really enjoying reviewing this season. Um, I hope everybody is staying healthy, staying safe. I know you know there's uh, it's it's a tough times for a lot of people right now. And um, it is just um, crazy what's going on out there in the world today as uh, we've got a virus sweeping the world and killing people and, uh, and, you know, others are getting sick. Not everybody's dying. There are many, many, many are recovering and that's unfortunately underreported and um we're not necessarily getting balanced coverage of what's going on but i do hope everyone is staying safe being smart out there um sooner sooner that hopefully sooner rather than later this thing will turn around and we can start having Having our lives back to the way we knew them, but let me tell you what, I will not be taking little things like a you know a day at the beach or a football match on the telly uh, for granted again. Um, without you know new new matches to watch, without being able to to go to the park, go to the beach, take my my son to the park, let him let him you know ride the slide or get on the swing. I can't even you know can't even take him down down to the pond to fish or anything like that you know it's it's just it's it's gotten crazy but I hope everyone is doing well I hope everyone is doing their part um there's a lot of rumors out there you know uh, news changes way too fast for me to report it on a podcast at this point so I'm not going to get into the announcement from the league this season saying they're going to they, they plan to kick off or, or resume in the final week of May. We'll see. I mean, I have my doubts that, that uh, that's going to happen. But with empty stadiums, there's a chance. And if they do do that, then there is a chance they can play all 10 remaining rounds by mid July. Um, there are problems with things like the June 30th, uh, June 30th, all contracts end for the year players become free agents, FIFA's going to have to get involved as to and make a ruling as to what happens there. But then lawyers can, can counter and who knows, who knows what's going to happen. Um, also, who knows what kind of Liga Nage we have on the other side of this teams are losing money left and right. I mean, you hear about it in England there. They're, they're uh, you know, they're they're sacking or terminating or furloughing their employees, you know, essentially, you know, offloading all costs to try to stay afloat during this stoppage. And I can only imagine what this is doing to the smaller Portuguese teams. You know, the the small teams, the Santa Claras, the Vitoria Stubals, the Portimonenses, Tondello, uh, teams like that—I can only imagine the strain this is putting on them. I also really worry for the amateur teams in just about every country I know. Here in the United States, this—you uh, know—these these teams are so dependent on ticket revenue. If they don't have matches, they're they're gonna—you know—they're gonna default on bills. They're gonna default on loans. The sponsorship's gonna go away. There's no television at that level to save them. Uh, obviously I'm concerned for a lot of the historic clubs in the Campeonato Nacional Seniors, in the CNS, uh, in Portugal. Not sure what's going to happen to them, but I know it's already been said that this is going to severely hurt um, teams in in England in League 1 and 2. And I forget who said this, but a representative from the Bundesliga said that if the league does not get back and they don't play these empty stadium matches then they're not going to have 20 professional teams to fill out a Bundesliga next season. That That's some scary things to hear about. So hopefully this thing can turn around quickly. And um, hopefully we can conclude these seasons. Um, not sure everyone's going to be able to, but I think Portugal can, can do it. If, if the situation can de-escalate in the next 30 days or so, and the players can start meeting in 30 days and have a two-week little mini training camp and resume the season by the end of May. Perhaps this can still be saved. Um, But for now, let's let's go in the time machine. Let's go back to 1982-83. We're going to pay a bill right now. And on the other side, I got a special treat for you guys today. All right, I got a special treat for y'all. It's not going to be Reconquista. We're going to go in the way back machine. We're going to go to the 1980s. And I got a special Portuguese classic tune for everybody from this time, more or less, in history. All right. in Portuguese pop history. So stay tuned for that on the other side. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho You can find me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. on Instagram at Mr. Benfica on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. You can check me out at Mr. Benfica.com or email me. Just drop me an email at the Benfica at gmail.com. We'll be right back and enjoy this classic old school tune. top and hit for the super group dos and their early 1980s mega hit like we said that was um, a de mania huge song for the time frame that we're talking about uh, in this episode of course and i remember my parents having that single on vinyl i remember being a kid and they had that they had a 45 on vinyl of that song and I remember hearing that song over and over and over and over and over as a young kid on the old record player. And uh, that really, really will take us back to the early eighties because of course it is April 1983 and Befica are headed in to one of the biggest months of not just of their season but of the eighties. And so much to play for here, everything on the line. Here's a little soundbite that will catch us up to speed on where we stand in April 1983. Ainda
1: havia muito em jogo in 1982-83. Se March had been a mês complicado, Abril não se figurava mais fácil. Da the agenda constavam duas partidas para o campeonato: quartos de final da taça, with Sporting, and the two jokes of the mechs finals of the UEFA, with the, the Universidad de Craiova. So what you just heard right there was being explained was for this month of April
0: in 1983 Benfica, five key matches two in the league One in the Portuguese Cup and then the two legs of the semifinals of the UEFA Cup. And then the narrator goes on to explain up first is the Portuguese Cup quarterfinal against Sporting. And it was not going to be Sporting's day at the Stadio de Luge.
3: Не, не, не. не смутим.
0: Benfica winning 3-0 at home in this quarterfinal in the Portuguese Cup uh, against rival Sporting. Goals on that day came from Shalana Diamantino and Carlos Manuel as the Eagles avenge their earlier defeat in the league season to the Lirgache at the Alvalade back in January. And Benfica book their spot in the semifinals of the competition. And just four days later, it is on to leg one of the UEFA Cup semifinals versus Caiova. It is the 6th of April, 1983, in front of 62,500 at the old Catedral, at the old Estadio de Luz. And it was just a nil-nil stalemate, leaving all to play for. In the return leg, neither team really risked that much in this one, and um, left it all to play for. In Romania, in a fortnight's time, but the following Sunday, it is back to the league and back at the Luge, and it is another nil-nil stalemate for Benfica. This time, it's Rio coming into the Luge and taking a point from Benfica and at this stage of the game Benfica now with only one victory in their last league matches and it's not too different from the type of form we were seeing here in 2020 before the league was suspended due to the outbreak of this coronavirus of course um, not all that different of form the difference is though it's simple mathematics in 1983 Only, you know, drawing five matches or four matches out of six meant you earned five points. You only, you earned four points, excuse me. You only dropped four points. You dropped four, you know, you get four draws in six matches in 2020, and you've dropped eight points. Much a bigger difference. And I'm starting to wonder if this is, if this was... Quite a tool for teams trying to battle on all fronts is because um, in those days a draw wasn't all that bad. Let's be honest. Um, BeFica here in this form in this stage of the season are just dropping results left and right in the league. It's like the last we well, you have the priorities where we see today and sometimes criticize Bruno Lage and the president and the the direção about the way things go and how the priorities is league and then everything else. At this time, 1983, it looks like the league was at the bottom of the priorities due to that four point cushion they had with Porto. And it looked like Porto also were not taking advantage of any of these drop points by Benfica because every time this documentary would take us back to the table, Benfica are always up by four points, which means Porto are dropping points just as well. But it, it doesn't look like anybody's calling for Erickson's job at this point just because he's only won one match out of six in the league. Um, out of the last six in the league, I should say. But we do also see a funny cl- uh, clip in that video of the referee taking a spill before the video cuts out to the next match. You see the referee on the pitch absolutely slip and fall. A little bit embarrassing. A little bit funny for the rest of us. But it's on to round 26 in the Liga. And it's Benfica making a short trip across the Pont 25 de Abril. The April 25th bridge through Almada and into Amora to face Amora FC for a rare night match in those days. A weekend night match in the league, And it's Diamantino converting a penalty in the 20th minute before Jose Rafael levels for Amora three minutes later. And Mefica would again be feeling the immense pressure of potentially dropping points to a weaker opponent. And that would go until the pressure would be relieved from a goal from Shell. He would get on the score sheet in the 53rd minute on a cross from Carlos Manuel and alleviate that pressure that was mounting in the 83rd minute. Diamantino would double his tally and he would guarantee Benfica finally get a victory and take home both points with them back across the Rio Tejo home to the Stadio Luge. and it's not much time to celebrate that because a few days later they're at the airport and they're on a flight across the Iron Curtain into the east into Romania and it is The 20th of April, 1983, we're at the Stadionil Central with a full house of 50,000 Belgians, excuse me, 50,000 Romanians in attendance. Bentu with a rare error in goal on this one on Balaci's free kick and the Romanians go up 1-0 as the free kick goes right through the legendary goalkeeper's hands. He got both hands to the ball but didn't know whether he wanted to catch it, parry it, uh, smack it. He, didn't, he couldn't make up his mind and the ball ends up going right through his hands and Cryová take the lead early but but Benfica you know with the few chances to pull level still in the first half as they pushed on and started to find their form as the match went on but into the team room at halftime it is 1-0 to the home side but only until the 53rd minute when who else Filipovic fires the ball to the far post and he levels the score on the afternoon but puts Benfica ahead on away goals and that would be enough for Benfica to book a spot in the final and return to their first European final in some 15 years that's right 15 years the previous Final for Benfica was the legendary, um, the legendary extra time match against George Best in Manchester United at Wembley, and I believe in 1968. This is some 15 years later, and they are going back to the final. This one will be played over two legs, however, and the post the post match report went a little something like this.
1: Final. Fortes, o Benfica passava por gols marcados fora. Filipovic revelava-se absolutamente decisivo. Sozinho tinha feito todos os gols de quartos e meias finais. Revoltados com a iluminação, os adeptos do Craiova carregam sobre os do Benfica, mas não havia nada a fazer. O grande Benfica europeu estava de volta.
3: Antes do jogo, um poeta local de Craiova declamou. Os, um, os poemas, os versos heroicos uh, aos microfones, uh, tentando assim ainda mais influenciar uh, as massas que já de si estavam muito exaltadas, não é? Portanto, quando o Benfica conseguiu eliminá-los, aquilo foi uma, uma, uma frustração tal, toda a gente pagou. Uh, toda a gente teve que fugir para os autocarros, jornalistas incluídos, portanto, tudo que fosse português... Uh, Correu sérios riscos. Fomos jogar a Craiova um ambiente completamente doido, quer dizer, nos deixaram dormir a noite toda com colunas gigantes viradas para os nossos quartos na rua, manifestações de milhares de pessoas para a estádio,
0: depois partir o autocarro. And that was courtesy of the Vitória's e Patrimonio episode regarding the 1982-83 UEFA Cup final, the road to the final. Uh, that was journalist Rui Tovar talking about a university professor there in the city of Craiova. Um, a poet writing poetry throughout the week and then reading it through the stadium that was further inciting the Romanian fans. Stirring up an even more hostile environment for, for Benfica to face. Also, um, noise being piped in by, by the home team to make it louder to make it even more of a home a home advantage for the Romanian side and then you hear Diamantino talking about the crowds making noise all night before the match uh, outside Benfica's hotel with a large coluna as he said making all kinds of of noise and just keeping the players awake and he goes on to talk about even in the once the match was was over players staff and portuguese journalists alike everyone had to make a run for it a run to safety to get onto the buses as um they were risking being ambushed by by romanian fans that were so angry with the result as you heard there it was a 1-1 draw that landed Benfica in the final of the UEFA Cup for 1982-83 and even going as far as um at the very end of Diamantino's um statement there he he says that they even attacked Befica's bus and they didn't feel safe until they were out of there. um obviously they were they were happy to get out of Craiova in one piece, and this is a momentous. Uh, occasion for Benfica, in my opinion. Looking back at this now with 2020 eyes, of course, and knowing the decade that would follow in the 80s for Benfica, it would be another little mini glory period. As although Benfica, you know, would not lift a European Cup in the 80s, they'd get to three finals. It's the first of three, or I should say, 8990 would be the third in that in that span of time. But this is the beginning of another little run of glory. For Benfica, before, before the club would arrive in, of course, the very dreaded Vietnam era that would come in the early '90s. But um, at this point, you know, Benfica are just turning things around and just starting to put their name out there on the European map once again. Um, very, very gutsy result to go into, you know, into the East, into the if you will, the the Eastern Bloc. Um, there's no Portuguese supporters traveling with Benfica to Romania in 1983. That's impossible um, given the geopolitical uh, climate at the time. That's that's just impossible. And um, Benfica leave Romania with the result they needed. They went on away goals. They get to the final. Still alive in all three fronts. Three battles still to fight and watching this documentary and following or i should say researching this season and just little by little reading up and watching clips and just following if you will this season uh, makes me realize actually that i think it's even harder to do this today i think um you know this sounds a little a little soft of me but asking Benfica to go on have this kind of season today, it's much harder than it was in 83. Benfica have a team that is loaded with players all in their prime. That does not happen anymore in the 21st century. Benfica has either really young players or they get old players. Very few players are in their prime at Benfica today in 2020. I think maybe you can say that PZ is either in his prime or already on the downslope. Rafa may be in his prime when fit. I think Samadish when fit is in his prime. Um, Other than that, you know, guys are either very, they either have a high ceiling and they got a long way to go, but they got a lot of potential or they're on the downturn. Someone like, like uh, Jardel or, you know, recently off loaned Fasia, you know, you got guys like Florentino and guys like Jota with all this, all this, you know, potential. But they're kids, and we want them to carry this team to, to to win spots in this team, and we want these players to take this team to win the league, to win the cup, and to win in Europe. Well, here in '83, here is a team where the youngest guy on this team is <laughs> is Veloso, and he's 25 years old. Okay. Um, uh, Antonio Veloso is one of the, especially at least in the back line, he is the youngest guy of the back four. And he's 25 years old. The oldest defender that plays regularly for Benfica today, you know, because André Almeida is injured mostly or misses a lot of time. When André Almeida's not there, the oldest player in the back line is Grimaldo, who's like 23, 24 years old. So our oldest defender today is younger than their youngest defender in 83. Umbert Coelho is an absolute monster of a center back. Okay. Pietra on the right side of defense is is just solid. There's no other word to say just solid. All right. Alvaru, you know, um lopes these are solid players, solid defensive players. Everybody on this team has solid defensive capabilities. Even, you know, even the the midfielder, you know, like Carlos Manuel, he can sit in in the six and and destroy. This team had so much depth. This team had so much experience as well, you know. And diamantino's is one of the younger players. He's return. I think he's 23. He's returning from from a couple of loan spells. All right. He'd also be considered old, old or older, you know. On today's team, so that's just a little bit of perspective. I'm starting to pick up from watching this this older season, you know, and watching it unfold. Of course, this is prior to the Bosman ruling that changed everything in European football. All right, so the, so it's not apples to apples, obviously. You're comparing apples to oranges, but really opens up my eyes a little bit to what kind of challenge it would be to do this today. But Benfica fighting hard here in 1983, and continuing to to battle on all fronts like we said and you know it, the finish line at this point is is in sight you know that if it's a marathon they're in the final 5k the final 10k um, and they're in the lead okay they they've got porto chasing but they're keep, they're maintaining that distance despite dropping results so that is the month of April? We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to the month of May as we start to make that, that sprint down the home stretch to the finish line of this historic season. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinio. You can find me on Twitter at Benfica Mister, on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, on Facebook www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica, and you can also find me at Mr. Benfica.com forward Or you can email me at themrbenfica at gmail.com. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica, episode 57, season review, 1982-83. This is part two of that review, and we have arrived now at the month of May, very late in the season. Now we're at the tail end, and we have an unusually long layoff this late in the season, unheard of in today's calendar, but Benfica go from April 20th to May 4th without any matches, uh, a great chance to recover a great chance to to rest up and knocks and to to heal and get themselves ready for this last these last essentially six weeks of this historic season and um, this should mean that it is a very fresh benfica team heading to Belgium and in two. The Heysel Stadium, a stadium that unfortunately would become synonymous with grief, tragedy, and disaster. Just a few seasons after this match, uh, when it hosted a Liverpool-Juventus European Cup final, the precursor to today's Champions League. But on May 4th, 1983, it was home to leg one of the UEFA Cup final, Anderlecht versus Benfica.
1: A final seria disputada a duas mãos. De um lado, um Benfica renascido. Do outro, o Underlest que, entre outros adversários, eliminaram o Porto por um score total de 7-2. O Underlest era também a equipa temível que tinha ganho quatro competições europeias nos últimos sete anos. Duas taças das taças e duas supertaças. Quanto ao Benfica, chegava à final com um percurso imaculado. Seis vitórias, quatro empates. Zero derrotas. Nunca uma equipa portuguesa tinha chegado tão longe na Taça UEFA. Mais, era treinado pelo mesmo homem que o troféu no ano anterior, Sven-Goran Eriksson. Os dados estavam lançados.
0: So the narrator there runs down the accolades of this Anderlecht team Benfica are about to collide with in this monumental final in the UEFA Cup. Highlights that they have already eliminated Porto earlier this season on an aggregate score of 7-2 to in round 2 of this competition. And also makes a point to state that Anderlecht have won 4 European titles in the last 7 seasons. 2 Cup Winners Cups in 76 and 78 and then 2 Super Cups later in those calendar years. The starting core of this of this uh, Anderlecht side, or I should say, the starting core of the Belgian national team is found in this Anderlecht side, a Belgian national team that in the that in 1980 in Euro 80 went all the way to the final before losing to West Germany, but we also highlight that this isn't just any other Benfica. Uh, Benfica reached the final with with an impressive six wins, four draws, no defeats, and it is the first time a Portuguese team reaches the final of the UEFA Cup. And to top it off, Benfica have on their touchline the manager that lifted the cup just one year ago. Um, that was, of course, Sven Joran Eriksson. And let's um, let's hear a little bit of, of audio. I do have to warn that the audio... This little sample is a bit rough. Um, this is the post-game uh, téléjournal uh, coverage, or I should say, recap. And um, the sound quality is not really as good as it is in in the other pieces. But it will it will run down what happened here in leg one in Anderlecht in Brussels, of course, at Heisel Stadium. Ah!
1: Estádio Aysel, em Bruxelas. O Benfica apresenta-se na condição de forasteiro para a primeira mão da final. A novidade no 11 é a ausência do João Alves, relegado para o banco de suplentes por Eriksen, por ter chegado atrasado a um trem. Vai ser uma grande noite do futebol, mas a sorte ficará do lado da equipa da casa.
4: Sim, quer dizer, eu eu, considero que o jogo teve três fases distintas. O jogo foi um pouco incaracterístico aqui neste remate do pelo Guiamatino, não, não foi o Guiamatino, foi o José Luís. Uh, depois, quando acuramos o jogo, como disse muito bem, uh, o Lannara desmarcou aqui nesta jogada. A sequência deste lance foi diretamente. Repare-se claro, uh, a execução maravilhosa do Jair um centro primoroso e o jogador uh, que eu não sei o nome, uh, que talvez fez o gol de Braille. Uh, Vamos ver a repetição do lance. É realmente espetacular, a velocidade de de execução... Há aqui uma certa defesa, a defesa da bem Sim, os jogadores não contam com velocidade de execução, se tiver a causa, o que é realmente um jogador que que não pode ser dado qualquer hipótese de ele A Berna criou algumas oportunidades de gol, sim, mas... Vamos ver esta... Exatamente, foi depois do gol que eles marcaram e que nós tivemos uma quebra natural.
0: So Benfica are done in by a 30th minute header from from the Danish player Kenneth Breil, while José Luís would see himself sent off with two yellow cards and ruled out of the second leg. For that accumulation of yellow cards. Benfica would press for an equalizer in the second half. But to no avail. um, Including an absolute sitter that was squandered by Nene. Six meters away from a wide open goal. But, But the team's top scorer lifted the ball. And smacked it off the crossbar and here is a post-game comment from Nene, again courtesy of uh, courtesy of Vittorius and Patrimonio and this is in the Lisbon airport I believe after the team arrived back in Lisbon after this match, this is Nene
1: jogadores, não foi bom. O bom teria sido um empate ou uma vitória, pois estas equipes, o Enderlec, uma equipe considerada das mulheres da Europa neste momento, a atravessar um bom momento, muito perto da consolidação nacional também, portanto virá ao Estádio da Luz fazer aquilo que qualquer equipe faz, pois é tentar conseguir manter o um 1 a 0, para ser vencedora desta taça. No entanto, os jogadores do Benfica uh, sabem perfeitamente das dificuldades que irão encontrar, mas também uh, estão convencidos que há 90 minutos para jogar e dentro desses 90 minutos tudo farão uh, para que a taça fique em Lisboa.
0: Sou Benfica's top goalscorer in all competitions in this season and there, what he says is this. He says, even though some say and think that this was a good result for me, and for all of us players, this was not a good result. A good result would have been a win or a draw. Of course, these teams, such as Anderlecht, who are strong and on form at the moment, um, they are they are all considered one of the best in Europe and uh are very close to a domestic crown as well. And they will come to the Stade de Luge with a 1-0 advantage and do everything in their power to hold that advantage. We Benfica players know perfectly well the difficulties that lie ahead. But we also know our capabilities. And we know that there is still 90 minutes to play. And in those 90 minutes, anything can happen. And these players will do everything they possibly can to ensure... That this cup stays in Lisbon. And literally as soon as the plane touches down at the Portela airport. As it was called in those days. In Lisbon. Benfica were off to work to get ready for the semi-final of the Portuguese cup. And it is the Algarve outfit Portimones visiting the Catedral de Luge. Two-faced Benfica in this semi-final. And uh, Portimonense come in with all hands on deck. And they are uh, making no no secret about the fact that they're coming in to play for the 0-0. They're coming in to, to prevent Benfica from getting on the board. But... It took Benfica only 17 minutes for that very same Nene that missed the sitter four nights earlier in Brussels to draw first blood to Benfica, and 20 minutes later, he would double his tally, and that 2-0 would be all Benfica would need on that day to book their trip to the Jamour for the final. Wait. About that. Well, that's basically for part three of this story, but um, they booked their place in the Municipal de Coimbra. Hold tight. We'll get to that one, like I said, in part three. Now, it's round 27 of the league, and it is Ginazio Alcubasa coming into the Luge and coming off, remember, in the first half of the season, Benfica, Traveling to the Ladia district to take on Ginazio and playing on that palado in Alcubasa. Well, Benfica would brutally avenge that result on that day. Because on this day, it would be a vicious 8-1 thumping in favor of the Glorioso and our friend again, Nenê. With five goals on this afternoon. So if three is a hat trick, four is a poker, what do you call five goals in a match? If anybody knows, let me know at Twitter, on Twitter, I should say, at Benfica Mister, on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. Email me if you want, the Mr. Benfica at gmail.com. Or go to www.facebook.com forward slash misterbanfica Let me know what you call a five-goal performance in one match. On that afternoon in May of 1983, it was Nene with five. While Diamantino chipped in with two of his own. And the Magician, the Magico, Shalana, the Maestro, with the other. And now, all sights on the coming Wednesday night because just a few nights after this dismantling of Ginazio Alcubasa Benfica would be visited by Anderlecht and it would be the second leg of the UEFA Cup Final 1982-83 Now the following audio sample is a bit long it runs for about 5 minutes, Uh, it runs about 5 seconds short of 5 minutes so it's about 4 minutes and 55 seconds so if uh, if you're if you don't understand Portuguese and um or if you just don't want to listen to this much um, audio, you know, from from the documentary, feel free right now to skip ahead uh, 4 minutes and 55 seconds and I will pick you up on the other side. If not, enjoy this pre-game audio. This is some fantastic audio. Um of a lot of the pre-game coverage on the day of the match of the second leg of this final and uh, you'll hear lots of comments and I'll be back on the other side to summarize and translate for you No dia da segunda
1: mão da final parece feriado em Portugal Enquanto o resto do país está colado ao ecrã, os afortunados que conseguiram um ingresso para o jogo rumam à luz com horas de antecedência. Uma multidão de milhares de pessoas vai envolvendo o Estado, porque todos serão importantes na hora de apoiar a equipa, porque independentemente do resultado, é dia de festa. O Benfica vai ganhar?
4: As, o Benfica joga sempre para ganhar, é minha equipa que joga para ganhar, como sabe. Vamos ver o que pode acontecer, mas estou esperançado que sim, vamos ganhar. Qual é o seu resultado? O seu prognóstico? Não sei, um resultado que o o anderlecht já me pode ser 3x1, pode ser 2x0. 0 é uma equipa portuguesa uma experiência a nível nacional mas com características internacionais únicas olha, resumindo, que... quando é que o Benfica vai ganhar ou perder? não sei, não, sei, não faço ideia nenhuma espero que ganhe por 2-0, por 3-1, por 4-2, por 5-3 que é o suficiente para ganhar a tarde Sim, nenhum, é um jogo muito difícil para o
3: Anderlecht que vem com uma vantagem de um golo e, e um golo que e nós E temos que conseguir é, anular esse gol. e no entanto com o nosso público aqui no nosso estado à luz e o tempo também está a ajudar se o Benfica jogar, né? aquilo que jogou na Bélgica e aquilo que tem andado a jogar na, nesta competição nessa, nesta taça UEFA como por exemplo em Roma, o Benfica pode é, sair daqui como vencedor mas...
4: ver Benfica. Exatamente, vim sim, vim de Zandesburgo, para ver o meu, o meu querido e glorioso Benfica. De propósito? De propósito, exatamente, uma excursão da Luz ao Globo. Está com fé que o Benfica vai conseguir Eu o Benfica? Eu não abordar. tenho fé, tenho a certeza absoluta que o Benfica vai ganhar este desafio. me desculpar, eu vou-lhe interromper mas só um lhe diziam, um Que bilhetes é que ainda tem para vender? Tenho bancada lateral e central e superior e peão, tudo. Mas diziam aí que a lotação estava esgotada. Estava
3: esgotada, mas como a, a televisão não variou, e nós temos de ficar com os bilhetes quase na mão. Olha, Se não. a televisão variasse, nós vendíamos os bilhetes todos.
4: É Humberto Coelho, estamos a duas horas, uma hora e meia do início do encontro. Oh, Humberto, qual é a vossa disposição? Eu acho que a disposição é boa, acho que para um jogo desta importância é preciso estar-se bem disposto. Eu penso que todos nós nós neste momento, enfim, é natural que haja um certo nervosismo, é uma grande final, mas o que é certo é que a disposição e a determinação é boa para para ganharmos a taça. Olha Humberto, o estádio está esgotado desde as 5 horas da tarde. Isso só demonstra mais uma vez que o futebol de facto é um grande desporto, é um desporto popular, é das massas e isso esperemos, é, e aquilo que nós vamos tentar fazer é não desiludir-vos, é de facto dar uma grande alegria a toda esta gente que veio para aqui muito cedo. Muito obrigado, Humberto, e felicidades. Obrigado. Eu penso que o Benfica atingiu a final, uh, não direi que era um dos nossos objetivos, mas enfim, fomos prosseguindo.
0: So we hear from all kinds of people outside the old Stadio deluge. and the video is just it's 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 classic. I mean, it's vintage is the word I'm looking for. It's it's so such a throwback in it's so refreshing to see just the basic uh, coverage and and despite none of the you know none of the flashy branding that you see around European finals today. There's there's no UEFA sign anywhere. There's no logo for the UEFA Cup final. There's you know there's some advertisement boards, but that's really all. There's absolutely no branding from UEFA at all in this final and very little branding from Artepeo as they're collecting this this uh these videos that that you just heard in the form of audio and it, it definitely is a trip to another time and another uh another place for sure of what a big final was was like and even without all that you get the big match feel as they talk about the stadium selling out 2 hours before the match wow Nowadays, these things sell out two months before the match. And the average fan like you or I has a very hard time getting a ticket to a match like this. But that wasn't the case back here in 1983. And um, you see celebrities and regular people alike giving their opinion to what they think is going to happen in this match. And it starts from... uh, it starts with TV host Antonio Sala, who I remember pretty well as host of Undoistrische when I was a kid. That was the game show that he hosted. And clearly he's a Benfica wearing a red and white scarf. But he goes on to say he believes all Portuguese are behind Benfica on this day. And um, that's very, very hard to to believe in 2020. Um, I don't think that would be the case in 2020 because that was definitely not the case in 2013 or 2014, when two of our closest rivals, you know, very openly celebrated our narrow defeats in those two Europa League finals. Um, but he says here in 1983 that he believes that all Portuguese are behind Benfica. Not just Benfica, just because this is more important than, than club loyalties. This is a Portuguese team dignifying Portuguese football in Portugal itself. You hear from Ozebu in there, he says it's all it's going to be a tough uh, tough feat to overturn the first leg result. But he does say that at home in the Stade de Luge with our fans and wonderful weather, he also comments. Benfica just needs to play as they have all season in this competition. The same way they played against Roma, for example. He mentions that game. And he believes that um, fans will he believes that if they do that they have every possibility of, of overturning the result it will be tough but he does believe it's possible we see shots of fans enjoying Sardines and Bifanish outside the stadium as you can see the grill's smoking and we get uh, a ticket scalper next which I really loved uh, I loved this part He he's selling tickets and he's telling what, what different sections he's got he's got tickets for and the announcer points out that the match has been sold out since 5 o'clock and he said yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and then he says that's only <laughs> he blames television he said that's only if the TVs go down he said if this match wasn't on TV I'd have already sold all these tickets for you know for triple the price <laughs> and uh, he goes on and next we see Umberto Cuello as he's arriving to the stadium as the team bus has arrived he's coming off the coach as, as um, he um, is greeted by the reporter and let's he is asked you know two hours before kickoff, this is that the the day feels like a friado a holiday in in Lisbon. Uh, people out all afternoon, um, the stadium selling out by 5 pm. Uh, everybody at the stadium real early on a weeknight. And he goes on to say that the team believes in themselves, and that the team is in good spirits, and they believe they can win. And that um, and that football is the spirit of the people, and that this match shows that it is, it is the sport of uh, of choice for 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 the everyday person in Portugal. We're quickly brought inside the stadium then, and it is assistant coach, recently retired player Tony and he tells us that Benfica is a just finalist even though that this this competition was not one of their objectives uh, early on at the beginning of the season but as it unfolded it became that and he says Benfica will give everything they have to overturn the result from the second leg and uh, then we get uh, this pre-game comments here from the manager, it's in English, no need to translate. Here's Sven Göran Eriksson, just an hour or so before kickoff at the Stadio de Luge.
5: That
6: yeah, of course, it's a great final and a lot of people. Wonderful stadium, here. Yeah. But uh, I look forward to it.
0: So Sven is coming off cool and collected and confident before this second leg he is of course the holder of the of the trophy uh, having won it the season before like we've already said with his swedish side uh, gothenburg and um, he he notes that this is a fantastic environment and a fantastic stadium and that he was excited and let me tell you this stadium this is the magic of the old stadio deluce the stadium's not even complete yet. We don't even have, like we said, the third, the third level doesn't even go all the way around yet. But you can see just at the beginning, uh, the stadium packed, a sea of red. Um, the there's more pregame comments in in the video. I do recommend checking that part out for sure. If you haven't yet, you gotta see this. It's at 1 hour 51 minutes roughly. Watch from there until the end of this match and you can basically relive the match. It's just it's just although you know it doesn't fall our way it's just you can feel the Benficizmo and you can feel just how big and how important the UEFA Cup final was here and think about the way so many look at the Europa League today and how much things have changed um we also i pointed out here i love these Befica track suits that they warm up in those white jackets are absolutely like fantastic retro looking of course they were contemporary at the time but they're just phenomenal it's a white jacket with a red sleeves and the three white adidas stripes going down the the sleeves and with Benfica in big letters across the back, I want one of those jackets. That's a jacket I want. If Adidas can put it out somewhere, I want it. All right. Um, before we get into the, the, you know, the highlights of this match, all right, I'm gonna run down the uh, lineups. All right, and we do see as the teams walk in. Uh, the stadium jam-packed. Uh, the official attendance is eighty thousand. I wouldn't be surprised if more people stuffed in there on that night. Uh, the referee is the Dutchman Charles Corver, uh, a legend in refereeing, no doubt, having already refereed a World Cup final in his career. And and his last, this was his last match refereeing in a very very uh, accomplished career for Charles Corver. Uh, we'll start with the lineup for the visitors from Belgium, Anderlecht. Their goalkeeper is Jackie Mugneron. uh Their right back is Luka Puruzovic, center back pairing of, of Belgians, Walter De Grief and Hugo Bruce. The left back is Morten Olsen, today's longtime Denmark national team coach. He's the left back on this side. The right sided midfielder was Michel de Groot. The central midfield pairing was the Dane pair Freeman and the Spaniard Juan Lozano, while Ludo Koek, Frankie Vera Verkretten, and Erwin Vanderberg make up the three man Belgian trio d'attaque, the three man attack up front. Uh, Benfica on the other side of the pitch line up with Bento in goal Pietra is on the right, as the right back Umbert Coelho and Bastos Lopes is the center back pairing chosen by Eriksson on the night Antonio Veloso is the left back Carlos Manel is the holding midfielder in the number 6 position, while the Swedish international Glenn Stromberg and Portuguese international Shell split the center midfield duties. And the three men up front, Fernando Shalana is playing in behind, just slightly behind Nene. And Diamantino, interestingly enough, Diamantino selected at least... To what it appears to me, selected ahead of Zoran Filipovic. Filipovic is the top scorer in the UEFA Cup. He scored in almost every match. He is Befica's top scorer in this competition. I have looked high and low. <laughs> I have searched and I've searched through, try to get access to archives from Ebola, Record, from whatever. I can't find any reason. As to why Filipovich was left on the bench in this match, also on the bench is Joao Alves. You heard earlier, he was benched in both legs um, for attending for arriving late to a training session. Uh, Eriksson benches him for disciplinary reasons. He wouldn't make a, you would make an interest at, entrance as a substitute in both matches. Now the last thing that before we get into the audio a recap of the match i thought was pretty awesome to see was after the teams had come out benfica doing the the traditional the the magisterial if you will the Vania to the third level as they run over to the sideline all at once and they do a bow similar to what you see in japan something benfica band, players do to this day Just so much mystique, so much passion in Befica Nation in 1983. Such a home field advantage. The stadium was exploding at the seams in this this match. Let's go to the audio and let's hear how it played out.
3: Exceção na pálida exibição dos encarnados. E agora o golo dos belgas. Fercautren. Caminho livre e centro largo. Com Lozano. Espanhol imaginativo a fazer um golo de grande categoria.
0: And there you have it—a disappointing result in the end, but a solid, a solid, and hard-fought performance from Befica in this match. And I did include a link in the show notes to this match. Um, you can see it in the show notes there. Just click on it. You can watch the match in its entirety. The commentary, unfortunately, is in French. It is not in either Portuguese or English. It is in French. But I did find, uh, I did find highlights with English commentary. Um, on YouTube as well, so if you search around, I think you will find it, if you search Benfica Anderlecht 1983, there's a bunch of stuff that comes up, but I included the link to the full match in uh, the show notes, so feel free to check that out, Um, it's uh, it's a real good match, and you can see Benfica working very hard, and Benfica's first goal, as you heard there, Fantastic goal as some real good work done by Stromberg down the left, and then he finds Shalana. Shalana crosses, and Umbert Coelho, the center back, pushing forward, gets on the end of the cross, and then very intelligently, because the cross was a little low, he uses his chest to pop it up and over his marker, right on to the run of Shell. Shell buries the ball in the roof of the goal Benfica take the lead and the over 80,000 explode in the Stadio de Luz and right there you can believe that Benfica are going to turn this around and many many people believe Benfica were going to get the result to lift the cup on this night but it just was not meant to be as 8 minutes later it would be the Belgian, it would be the Belgian Vercautran running down the left flank, playing an exquisite, a really exquisite cross to a diving Juan Lozano. And the Spaniards' header beats Bento. He's got no chance. And it is the proverbial bal de agua fria, the ice bucket on the red hot Stadio de Luge. As now it meant Benfica needed two more goals to win the round to win the cup because Anderlecht now have the all important away goal. Benfica fight, Benfica push. Benfica come up with chance after chance and it's just another one of those matches where the ball just will not go in. They get the chances, come very close to making it 2 to 1 and giving themselves a chance to get a late winner to to lift the cup. But again, it was not meant to be. Here's a little Post game recap here, of course, this is from Vitoria e
3: Patrimonio. <laughs> (laughs) Venha
1: no Depois dos 180 minutos de luta desportiva pela posse da taça O espetáculo da luz foi este Vitoriosos, os jogadores do Anderleck ignoraram o ambiente estranho E trataram de dar asas à satisfação da conquista da taça Do outro lado, era a desilusão Às vezes, o choro E na hora do reconhecimento do valor do adversário, não faltou o aplauso dos jogadores ao terceiro anel. Ao público que esperava a taça, mas que ficou apenas com os olhos cheios de Lozano e Companhia.
0: So this was Benfica's now fourth straight European Final Defeat. Um, four out of what would eventually be Another four would cancel so fourth out of eight consecutive European final defeats for Benfica. Of course, after winning the European Cup in the first two finals appearances, first two final appearances, I should say, beating Real Madrid and Barcelona respectively, um, Benfica would lose to AC Milan, Inter Milan, Manchester United, and now Anderlecht. And as we know, they'd go on to lose two more European finals in the decade to PSV Eindhoven and AC Milan once again, before we get to the current decade, or I should say our previous decade now of the 2010s and the heartbreaking losses to Chelsea and Sevilla. So uh, the Belgians are the just winners over the 180 minutes. That's what basically was just summed up there in that report. Um, On one side... A team that came in with a monster counterattack that was able to handle the the adverse conditions or the intimidating environment of the Inferno de Luz and walked out uh, valid champions walked out uh, just winners. The other end, the Zulusem, like they say, the the heartbreak and the tears and 80,000 fans that came to see the cup leaving with their eyes full, obviously. Um, you know, the heartbreak, heart, absolute heartbreak for Benfica all over the world on this night in 1983. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back on Mr. Benfica for the final segment as we cross the finish line in the Liga 1982-83. All right, this is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinio. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. You can also check out Mr. Benfica.com or hit me up with an email, Benfica at gmail.com. I'll be right back with the final segment. little time to wallow in the sorrows of defeat for Benfica four days later after that epic final defeat. The Glorioso are in action in the beautiful city of Portimao against a team they recently just beat in the cup pretty handedly and a team that's no doubt gonna be Motivated going into this match. So we're going to check the table right now as we head into round 28 of the Portuguese league. And Benfica are top of the league with 45 points while Porto, four back with 41 points. Only two rounds remaining to play after this fixture. Benfica can clinch the title with the victory at the Municipal de Portimao. And a no doubt fatigued both physically and emotionally uh, fatigued Benfica team takes the pitch after a, a, a harsh and cruel defeat. It was actually a draw on the night, but a cruel defeat in the round um, in the final against Anderlecht just a few nights earlier. This Benfica team had to dig deep in this one as they are in the sunshine, in the heat of southern Portugal. And two points is all it takes to clinch the title in front of a a fan base that wants to see it. And of course, Benfica knows that in the very next round, it is a derby uh, against those noisy neighbors from the other side of the Circular, who would love nothing more than to spoil Benfica's championship party. And the crowd is overflowing on that afternoon in Portimao as uh, it's just almost spilling onto the pitch. It is May the 22nd and it would take until the final five minutes of the match for Benfica to finally deliver the moment that these Benfiquistas in the south of Portugal... Came to see the moment they finally get what they came for. It was in the 85th minute. And it would be Carlos Manuel with a title clinching goal. An absolute laser beam as commentator Ray Hudson would say these days. The, the British commentator Ray Hudson, legendary, loves to call uh, those goals in the top corner absolute laser beams. And Benfica are going to be crowned champions in 1982-83 and we see the final whistle and some fans climb the fences and find their way onto the pitch and we see some scenes with a group of fans surrounding Glenn Stromberg as he is giving away his entire match kit, including his boots. He's left in just his underwear as he is mobbed by fans, or he's mobbed by a small number of fans. And Benfica have won the championship after a long 28 rounds with two rounds left to play. Benfica close it out in the Algarve here is a little report again from our friends at Benfica TV at Vitórias e Patrimônio. And I believe this one's courtesy of a telejornal. A few days <laughs> after the disillusion
1: of losing the TACO F at home, this Benfica de Barba Richa will win the championship against the disillusionment and anxiety. Against the time and the fear of losing. Carlos Manuel faz o golo do título a 5 minutos do fim. Faltavam duas jornadas. O Benfica tinha vantagem no confronto direto com o Porto, mais pontos do que os dragões, e a vitória valia apenas dois. Já lá estava. Eriksson era campeão no primeiro ano em Portugal, e o Benfica festejava o título pela vigésima
0: quinta vez. So Carlos Manuel with the title clinching goal, Eriksson, Sven Joran Eriksson. Very young at this time in his first year in Portugal. Is champion. And Benfica go into the final two matches. Having already clinched their 25th, at that time record, 25th championship. And so we move forward to round 29. And we see another full Estadio de Luz for the home finale against rival Sporting, And it is the coronation of the new champion, celebrating the number 25, U25. And the film shows captains at midfield before the match with a microphone in there for the whole stadium to hear their conversation. It is Humberto Coelho and Manuel Fernandes of Sporting. And Manel Fernandes is congratulating Huberto Coelho for Benfica's success this season as Sporting are the previous season's champions and they are in a way uh, handing the crown over to the new champions and Manel Fernandes even uh, goes goes on to say that uh, Benfica made the entire country proud with their run this season in the UEFA Cup in Europe getting all the way to the final Umberto is gracious and and uh, returns the favor and, and tells his counterpart that Sporting are a strong team and also a very good team and a classy team. And this is something you would never see in 2020. Um, honestly, the rivalry was not that strong back then. Okay, You can clearly see that the rivalry was not as strong. In those days, it was not as heated. That would come years later, and from what I've been able to, to to decipher, from what I've been able to read and see, Pinto da Costa at Porto has a lot to do with the hostility between Benfica and Sporting. When he took over Porto in this 82-83 season, he felt like the two Lisbon clubs were working together to keep Porto out of the out of the picture, trying to keep them down, and he rallied his fans around this. And part of his his strategy for building Porto was to create tension between Benfica and Sporting, though they were rivals. Nothing like we see today or would see in the following 37 years to get to the point where we are today. And yes, the two teams have always been rivals, but uh, it was a much different. Um, sentiment a much different level of animosity in those days and this is a clear image because this is something I don't think you would see today uh, this would be a PR disaster if and to be honest fans would would not accept this no uh, neither team's fan base w- would allow a you know an opponent an opponent captain of a a fierce rival to In a rivalry such as this one, to to speak to the stadium and to you know, or even their own captain, they wouldn't they wouldn't tolerate their own captain you know you know praising their rivals on a great season, and it is sad to an extent, but the rivalry is much much hotter nowadays. It's got a lot more heat. There's a lot more bad blood between the teams today in 2020. So we move forward. To the match, and as for the match, it is Shalana in the ninth minute, scoring the only goal of the match, putting Benfica ahead, exploding the stadium one more time. We also see Diamantino still in the first half, earning a penalty kick um, that... Someone decided whether it was whether it was Ericsson or it was the captain Coelho, or it was Manuel Bento himself, the goalkeeper. They decided Bento was gonna take the penalty kick. Of course, the title is clenched. The match means little. Uh, Sporting are locked in third place. Sure, let's let the keeper take the penalty kick. And for those of you that listen to the Benfica in Quarantena on Benfica Independent. You would have heard about a week back the interview with Tony, and he did say at one point in that interview that Manuel Bento is very good not just at defending penalty kicks, which we would see throughout this season. He's very good at taking penalty kicks. Um, he says in training he would he would almost always score, and if he wasn't selected in the top five In a penalty shootout, he was very close to the 5. He was 6th or 7th. So he steps up to try to score an important goal, to get himself a goal in his career. But unfortunately, he shoots right at the opposing goalkeeper. The penalty kick is saved, and there is no goal for the Benfica legendary goalkeeper, missing out on a real uh, rare chance to get on the score sheet. He'd make up for it, though. Uh, in the closing minutes of the match, after Veloso brings down Manuel Fernández in the penalty area, fans already surrounding the pitch. These are the scenes that really take you to another time because you would, again, never see this today. You see security everywhere. You see police. You see just stadiums managed completely different, but in 1983... The fans in the lower bowl had already made their way over the fences. I don't know if they knocked the fences over. I don't know if they climbed them. But with little resistance, they made their way to the sidelines. They're literally a step off of the goal line next to the goalkeeper as Rui Jordan steps up to take a closing minute penalty kick. You see the masses everywhere. Bentu saves the penalty kick, celebrates the referee, <laughs> blows his final whistle, asks for the ball, doesn't wait for it. You see all 22 players sprinting like Usain Bolt heading for the tunnel. the The masses invade the pitch. <laughs> Every single player runs for his life. This is just a, a insane idea of a ch- of a celebration. Alvru doesn't make it. <laughs> this isn't that funny, but it's funny. In 2020, Alvru Magalhães does not make it to the tunnel. Uh, he is mobbed. He's end up. He ends up getting stripped completely naked by fans. By the time he gets to the tunnel, he's got nothing left on. They've taken. They've ripped everything off of him in celebration. You see in the corner of the screen some of the Sporting players already one step away from the tunnel waiting for that final whistle the referee sticks his hand out for the ball when it doesn't arrive immediately he takes off he doesn't care anymore about the ball Uh, of course Veloso and and uh alvaro are on the far side of the pitch they have no chance to get to to the uh tunnel and this is just an insane insane pitch invasion Um, It's all fans. The players uh, find their way safely into the locker room for the celebrations to begin. And Befica will win 1-0. And head into round 30. Already champions, as we know, on 47 points. And the players would would receive their sashes, which is what they used to get in those days for champion. They would be presented with those sashes and flowers as opposed to the winner's medals they get today. And um, they would be presented those on the final day of the season. One week later at the Stadio Primeiro de Maio in Braga. A stadium where Benfica just seems to close out seasons where they are champions. Same exact stadium where they closed out the 93-94 season 11 years later as champions as well. Same kind of weather. Foggy, rainy weather. Um, but Benfica would win... That match 2-0 in Braga to close out the season. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where episode 57 comes to an end. That is where part 2 of this story ends. And we've got one part left to go. You know I've been holding on to it. I've hinted towards it. And in episode 58, part 3 of this 1982-83 review, we're going to talk about the... Portuguese Cup final. No, it was not played at the Jamor. <laughs> no, it was it was originally scheduled for the Municipal de Quimbra after a year's worth of crying and whining from a certain team in the north. They got it changed. But then that wasn't good enough either. You probably know the story, but if you don't know the story, you'll never guess. Where this 1982-83 Portuguese Cup final versus Porto would be played. We'll start from the beginning and go through the whole story next week here on Mr. Bayfica There's a Vitoria and Patrimonio episode dedicated specifically to this match. Okay, There'll be linked link to that show in the show notes. We're going to use that show for the, res- for the research. I'm going to allude to it. A lot next week. So if you have a chance to check it out this week. Feel free. Please by all means check it out. And we will talk about it next week. As we continue on. With this story of 1982-83. This has been Mr. Benfica, Episode 57. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Signing off for this week. Have a great week everyone. Stay safe. Stay inside if you can. If you can't. Wear your gloves. Wear your mask if you need to. Just stay safe. Keep your space from people. Please. Um, we need. If we can stop spreading this this virus, we can get our football going again. We can get our lives going again. Yes, I say that tongue in cheek because there's a lot more important things than football out there. But man, do I want my football back! But I'll be honest, I'm having a blast reviewing this this classic stuff for you guys each and every week. So I'll see you next week here on Mr. Benfica.
2: Hey